Praise God. Yeah, now that takes an anointing and a talent to... What, do they just run all the little girls off? There's no little girls? <laughs> Praise God for mighty men of God. Amen. Amen. Well, get your Bibles out this morning. And if you would, go to the Old Testament, the book of Genesis chapter 37 this morning. I'm going to share and, and use my favorite story in the Bible to, to share a message with you. Um, <clears throat> we've been talking this whole time for, for weeks now, months. I don't know how long we've been on about talking about a move of God. And, you know, I'm just trying to get our minds focused because the Lord shared some things with me that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to introduce to you after the first of the year. And uh, I think it's going to be good. I believe that I, I really believe with all of my heart that that if you'll participate, you know, it takes participation. You know, I can get a, I can get a five gallon bucket of anointing oil, come up here and rub it all over your head. And if you don't want anything from God, ain't nothing going to happen, but you're going to get greasy headed. Making help you slick your hair down or something, you know. But there's not going to do any good. It's your heart that is, it puts a demand on the Spirit of God that brings a move of God in your life. It's not me. I can't do it. No matter how good the dog and pony show can be, no matter what I can do, all I can do is be an instrument that God uses to speak a word to you uh, that uh, then he, he, he can move in your life. Yesterday, I was really blessed. Uh, we, we had a... a, a Funeral service for Chuck Johnson, those of you that may not have known that he went to heaven the other day, and, and praise God, he knew right where he was going. It was a, it was, I like to preach a funeral like that because I have no doubt in, in what, what I'm doing for the people. And, and, uh, but after the funeral, a, a lady came up to me, and she spoke to me, and she said that how the words that I spoke at, the, at his funeral helped her because she had a loved one that she had lost and that God healed her in that service. And I was thinking, wow, here you go. What, a, what an unusual thing that, that here she came to support this other family, but in being there, she was healed. Now, that didn't have anything to do with me. There was no thought. I had no thought in my mind. I had no word from the Holy Spirit. I was just preaching uh, 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 Chuck's funeral. You see what I'm saying? But God used it because her heart was at the place that could be touched. And then you come under the spirit of God, you come under the anointing of God. And if your heart's open, then boom, God can do something. And I just believe that the Lord spoke to me and told me, and, and this is kind of like saying a prophecy of saying, uh, yay, hey, thus saith the Lord, Ernie, I have a personal word for you this morning. God loves you. <laughs> I mean, come on, that's a no brainer, right? But this is kind of the same word, but I just really believe the Lord told me that, that he's going to, if you'll throw open the gates of your heart, He's going to fill your life this next year in 2019 with a move of his spirit in your life like you've never seen before. But it's going to take you to do it. And so anyway, uh, and so I've been, I've been talking about the move of God. I've been, I've been going this direction, and I want to share something with you today because I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's me. Maybe I'm the only one crazy. I have a feeling that some of y'all are too. You know, I, I just kind of have a feeling because we're all kind of cut from the same cloth around here. Uh, and I want to kind of dispel some thoughts in your mind. 
and then try to get something going in you so that when we start the first of the year, you're at a place where you can just really throw open the gates and let the Spirit of God come moving in your life. And then what I want to talk about today is what, a, what does a disciple look like? All right, what does a disciple look like? Now, you can look around this room this morning, although we're all country people, you know, we're all different. I see different color hair in here. I see different ways that we dressed. I see different, you know, we all drove in here in different vehicles. We're, we're different people. But I believe with all of my heart that you're disciples of Jesus Christ. But we don't all look the same. And sometimes we get, and we get this preconceived idea of what does a disciple look like? And basically, we make them look like a monk. Are y'all with me? Some of you this morning even have tried to be more like a monk. You've shaved the top of your heads. <laughs> Are y'all with me here this morning? Sometimes when you say, oh, well, I'm a, if you were to say to somebody, I'm a disciple of Christ, well, then the imagery that comes in people's head, the imagery that comes in people's mind is, oh, well, you know, you, you've got a robe at home and a big family Bible, and, you know, you you're, act a certain way, do a certain thing, you know, you're going to dress a certain way, you're going to, are y'all with me? But the truth of the matter is a disciple, a true disciple of Jesus Christ is somebody that's a follower of, of Christ, somebody that that is a learner, somebody that wants to grow, somebody that is is just who you are, but you're following Jesus. Folks, listen to me. The biggest misconception you're going to have is when you get to heaven and you're going to think that we're all going to be the same. I don't believe we're all going to be the same. I don't believe God created us to be unique individuals that we are, that when we get to heaven, everybody's got on the white robe. Everybody looks exactly the same. My robe may not look like your robe. My robe may be cut like in blue jeans and have starched, you know? Yours may be a big flowing dress with long sleeves or something, you know? I don't know. But I just believe with all of my heart that the uniqueness within each and every one of us, we have to accept and understand that this is who we are, but God wants us to be a disciple, and he wants us to understand what a disciple is. So I'm going to share this story of Joseph dreaming a dream. I want to share this story with you, and I want to pull out some points in here that I believe will help you to understand and maybe get some clarif clarification in your life. Amen? So it starts in Genesis 37. Now, I can't read the whole story. We don't have enough time this morning. So I'm just going to encourage you to go and read Genesis 37 and 39, 40, 41, 42, right there, the whole stories. Kind of get it in your heart. But I love this story because Genesis 37, I want to start, I'm just going to read verse 3. It says, now Israel loved Joseph more than all his children because he was a son of his old age, and he made him a coat of many colors, all right? I guess it could have got Dolly Parton to sing that song this morning, you know, and y'all had all been in it. But anyway, the first thing I want to share with you about what is a disciple, listen to me, a disciple has to be versatile. Joseph had a coat of many colors. Now, I don't know if I'd have wore it. I guess I would have if my daddy made it for me. But as a disciple, you got to be versatile in life. Listen, we live in a strange world today. I got to say this, and, and, and it's, I'm not being critical, but I was at a church here the other day, and um, there were these little kiosk things, and, and I don't know what else to call them. They were like a, 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 a computer pad on a stand, and there was a little 
receipt printer coming out over here. And I said, what is this? Because there was a bunch of them. I said, what is this? And they said, well, people that come to our church in the offering, they don't, nobody carries cash. They want to use debit cards. And so you just walk over to the kiosk and slip the thing in there, pay your tithes and offerings off this. And I was like, really? <laughs> like, like that was this most foreign thought that I had ever had in my life. That if right now, I, I feel like, I mean, because we're a country church, I feel like right now that like, like when we took up the offering, if the ushers pushed something down like that and slipped y'all the deal and y'all were paying with credit cards, I feel like, I feel like y'all would take me outside and stone me. Like I would have just been the abomination of desolation, right? But see, we don't think like that. If you're in a cashless society and you're using your, your, your debit card for everything, well, then all they did was make it available for the people to do what they wanted to do because that's how they operate. They're not thinking like we think. And it's not an abomination to them. The other funny thing was there was another one, for the, which is smart, but we just don't have to have it for the size of our church because the other one was one where you're, you're, you're going to take your kids and put them in the nursery, and you go up there and you put in who you are, and it spits out you know, however many receipts one for you to stick on you and one to stick on your kids and it's barcoded so that when, you know, cause they don't know how many, there's hundreds of children in a nursery. They're not going to know how many who's who and who's mom's who. And so you've got to have the barcode to go get your kid. It's got to match. The numbers have got to match. Everything's got to match with the kids. Now that's totally reasonable, right? And somebody came up with a really good idea to make that happen where, what do we do? We know everybody, you know, we stick a name tag on them and say, Hey, yeah, come get your kid. And if you don't, you take him home and drop it off at their house. So, <laughs> you know, but it's a little different when you're living in the city and there's, you know, thousands of people. But my point is, is you got to be versatile. Disciples, we can't get so rooted and grounded in that one way and everything has to be one way that we can't see anything else. Because when you do, you just put God in a box and you put yourself in a box and you are not versatile enough to reach out and help anybody else. You got to be versatile in this world today. I am not. I'm not one that's real. I, I, I look at myself as I, I think I'm pretty versatile until I leave the canyon, <laughs> right? Because I, you know, I can run equipment, I can, you know, carpenter, I can, you know, do whatever I need to do like this. But then once I leave the canyon and I get out into the world, I'm like, oh gosh, all right? Like I told you, I'm going on this, this trip we just took when they, now you go to the kiosk, you do your, your baggage and all that kind of stuff, and then it spits it out and you have to put your own baggage tag on. And that was new to me, trying to figure out how to peel it off. And to me, like, that's something I was mad about because uh, that's something I feel like is really important that I have the right tag on my bag. And how do I know where it is and all the codes and stuff? But anyway, I'm, learn I'm learning, and now I'm smarter than I was before I left. Next time I'm going to put a stapler in my pocket and put a few staples in that thing just to make sure. But the thing is in life is we can't get so rigid that we're not versatile enough to help other people and win other people and be able to reach other people. Amen? The second thing uh, uh, here in that same deal about being versatile, the Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, he says, man, for though I am free from all men, I have made myself a servant to all that I might win the more. To the Jews I became a Jew that I might win the Jews and to those who are under the law is under the law that I might win those that are under the law. To those who are without the law, without the law. I, 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 was, I was reaching out to them. 
It says, as with, uh, but, but not being without the law towards God, but under the law towards Christ, that I might win those who were without the law. So you see, folks, what I'm saying is the Apostle Paul had the same thing that he was facing then as we face now. You can't get so rigid in the way that you are that you can't be accepting to other people. You've got to be able to look at people and look at their hearts. Now, that means that doesn't mean that if you're, you're with a group of bank robbers, you're going to go with them to rob the bank. Right? But that means that you're open to do whatever to people that God has called you to make disciples of. For you to be a disciple and those that he's called to be disciples. Amen? Okay, it's all about love. you got to remember that, church. It's all about love. It's all about love. It's all about reaching out to people, and it's all about walking in love. Amen? Now, does it say, you know, those ugly words, love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things? Huh? Love never fails. See, love is an amazing thing. When you love somebody and really care about somebody, well, then, you know, you might have to eat seaweed. You say, I ain't doing it, man. My God, I'll throw down. I'm, boy, I'll give me a meat and potatoes and that's it. But if that's offensive to somebody else, well, then you, know, you might have to eat seaweed one meal just to be a disciple of Christ, a follower, a learner, and help that person come closer to Jesus. See, this is what, this is what God keeps needling me with. Are we willing to sacrifice to win somebody to Christ? What do y'all think? I mean, are you willing to go to somebody's house and eat vegan <laughs> and smile and say, oh, this is nice. Yeah, tofu. I didn't know it tasted like that. Uh huh. Praise God. Jesus loves you. He really does. Would you hurry up and get saved so I can leave? The second thing, verse 5, it says, Now Joseph had a dream, and he told it to his brothers, and they hated him even more. So he said to them, Now please hear this dream that I have dreamed. And there were binding sheaves in the field, and behold, my sheave arose and stood upright. And indeed, your sheaves all stood around mine and bowed down. <laughs> when you're the younger brother, that isn't a good dream to be telling them, right? I mean, you know they're going to rub your face in the sand on that one. All right? And so then they get mad and they say, oh, indeed, you're going to reign over us. And then, you know, what does he do? He has another dream. He said, look, I dreamed another dream. And the sun and, and the moon and the 11 stars bowed down to me. So now his father's mad at him. And he says, what are you talking about? You know, am I and your mother going to, your brother's all going to bow down to you? But it says something. It says his father kept these matters in his mind. In other words, he pondered in his heart and said, what is going on with my kid? Listen to me. I got to tell each and every one of you this this morning. You got to hear me and you got to hear me good on this one. God has great things for you. But unless you're willing to dream a dream, unless you're willing to dream and believe God that he has got a good thing for you and that tomorrow is going to be better than the next day and the next day is going to be better than the next day. And unless you're willing to dream, unless you're willing to open up your heart, unless you're willing to believe that God Almighty, the, God, the creator of the heavens and the earth and all they're in, is working on your behalf to bless you, well then folks, I'll tell you something, you're going to get stifled and you're not going to be a disciple. You're going to end up stopping just like getting stuck in a wedge, you're not going to move. And the farther you push towards that, it's just gonna, you're just going to wedge deeper and deeper unless you're willing to open up your heart and say, God, I don't know what my tomorrow looks like, but I just believe it's going to be better than today. 
Hello? You got to be a dreamer. If you're going to be a disciple of Christ, you have got to be a dreamer. You've got to believe God for good things. You've got to believe your neighbors are going to turn to Jesus. You've got to believe that the people that are against you are going to be for you. You've got to believe that God is going to move in your life. God works with dreamers. Now, where we get in trouble is we start dreaming a dream and we're wanting God to perform it like we're dreaming it. Then you get yourself in trouble. But you've got to be able to be a dreamer to open up your heart and say, Lord, I'm believing you for better days. However they look, I want to see you moving in my life, moving in my family's life. I'm believing you. Oh, God, you're going to do good things. If you're truly going to be a disciple for Christ, you've got to be a dreamer. Everybody say, I'm a dreamer. Look at the person beside you and say, how about you? You're a dreamer. In Matthew 26, 39, Jesus, when he was in the garden, when he was in the garden, he said, he fell on his face and he said, oh, Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. In other words, Jesus was seeing the cross. He was seeing the pain he was going to go through, seeing all the things that were going through. He knew it was going to be horrible. He knew it was going to be horrendous. It was so much stress that he sweat droplets of blood. But then he turns and you make this statement, nevertheless, Lord, it's not my will, but thy will be done. A dreamer has this ability to say, God, I'm believing you for good things. I'm believing you've come, whatever has to happen. I'm believing you for good things. Hello? The second or the third thing, or I don't know where I'm at. I've already lost it. This is the third thing. Okay, in Genesis 37, 12. It says, then his brothers went to feed their father's flock in Shechem, and Israel said to Joseph, are, you not my bro- are, are not your brothers feeding the flock in Shechem? Come, and I will send to you. And they, he said unto him, here I am. The third thing is, is that a disciple of Christ has to be obedient to the Father. Now, this is what's funny about it. Religion says we well, need to be obedient to be like we want you to be. So you need to dress a certain way, talk a certain way, do a certain thing, this, 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 this. But the truth is you, don't need to, you, don't, you need to be obedient to your heavenly father and what he's saying to you. Got to be obedient. And obedience always brings about sacrifice. See, now in this season, a lot of us, we don't want to hear anything from God. We really just want to get through the holidays, eat what we want to, do what we want to, you know, get through. Because it's a dangerous thing to start praying. Say, Lord, now just help me eat what I should eat. And then people send you little chocolate, coconut, glory delicacies from heaven. And you say, you know, one. Now, I want to tell you something. I really believe that God is speaking to us all about being obedient. And I just really believe that a lot of times we just don't want to listen. A disciple has to be a listener. A lot of it, we come up with it in our own mind and think this is what God must be saying. But the truth of the matter is, we need to be obedient to what God's saying. Are you following me? Just because something works for somebody else doesn't mean that that's what God's calling you to do. It's about a personal relationship. It's about hearing from heaven for you of what God's telling you to do. One person, he may be wanting to, to pray for an hour, and the other person, he may want to sleep, sleep an hour. 
You say, how could that be? Why not? If you're physically exhausted, God may be wanting you to have rest and may be saying the best thing you can do is to sleep for an hour. I don't need to talk to you. You need some rest. You're crazy. <laughs> One of the hardest things that I've learned to do, but it's really, it, it, it was hard, but then it was actually kind of easy because when God started speaking to me about that I needed to lose weight and I need to get my, myself in shape, and, and he told me, don't get in a hurry, because see, that's what I tend to do. Okay, oh, I got to do this in three months. And he said, I don't care if it's three years. You just got to get your focus changed around. You got to start heading in this direction. But what he started telling me was, is you got to do things. You got to follow and listen to me what I tell you to do. And I'm telling y'all folks, I would have a, a, a food before me and I'd say, well, Lord, can I eat that? And I wouldn't hear anything and I'd eat it. And then my stomach would just turn up, just hurt, whatever. And so I said, well, I guess I shouldn't have eaten that. He said, well, yeah, I guess you shouldn't have. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't like a, he laid a specific diet down and said, you need to do this, this, and this. I had to find what works for me and what works for me and going to work for you because it's got to be specific for me. Hello? But I had to start learning to follow the Holy Spirit and what I was doing. And if he said, don't eat that, it wasn't because he was trying to punish me. It was because I was going to hurt because it's all for good. Hello? But we got to learn to be obedient. Disciples are obedient. We hear the voice of our Heavenly Father. We hear the voice of the Holy Spirit speaking to us. We follow the direction and do it, and you're always going to find good success. Hebrews 3, 7 says that, therefore, the Holy Spirit says, today, if you'll hear his voice and not harden your hearts, that's where we got to get to. If we'll hear his voice and not harden our hearts. Amen. That's what a disciple looks like. Somebody's obedient to the fossil. Well, I can't do that because, you know, God told me not to. A guy the other day was trying to give me some, I can hardly say it, pistachios. <laughs> he offered me some. And I said, no, I can't eat them. And what's wrong? You can eat them. I mean, they're great. You know, here, you know, they're already cracked and everything. I said, no, I can't eat them. I said, if I eat them right now, I'll break out in a rash all over me. He said, oh, it's crazy. It's ridiculous. I've never heard anything like that. I said, I don't care, man. Get them away from me. I ain't going to eat them. <laughs> I've been down this road, you know. I mean, they got so bad I had to go get a steroid shot to make the rash go off of me from eating the things. So do I want to put them in my mouth again? No, I don't care how good they taste. I don't care if they're chocolate covered. <laughs> right? And you get into something like that and it hurts you, then I don't want to do it again. And that's what I've learned in obedience to God. When I'm doing something and it doesn't, it's going to hurt me. Why do I want to do it? So we got to learn to be obedient. I don't want to become hard-hearted because... I won't listen to God. Amen? Okay, the fourth thing is, is in Genesis 37, 23. It says, And it came to pass that when Joseph had come to his brothers, that they stripped Joseph of his tunic, the tunic of many colors that was on him, and they took him and they cast him into a pit. And the pit was empty, and there was no water in it. Listen to me. <clears throat> a disciple, a true disciple of Jesus won't, Stay down. I'm not saying you won't get down. I'm saying you won't stay down. There's a difference. I don't ever worry about somebody that has a discouraging day. I just worry about somebody that wants to live in depression. Discouraging days come to all of us. All of us can feel a little discouraged, feel a little, you know, a little down. But a true disciple of Christ doesn't stay down. He gets back up. You may knock me down, but I'm getting back up. Hello? They took Joseph and they threw him in this pit. This looks like the worst thing in the world for him. 
His brother's older, tear his coat off, throw him in the pit. I mean, it's looking rough. But I want to tell you something. Every time you're down, hear this word this morning. Every time you're down, God has a way that he's working to make you go up. You got to know that. You got to know that in your heart. He's always got a way that he's making to bring you to that place that he's going to raise you up. When, when, uh, if you look down here in verse 25, I'm in Genesis 37, 25, and they sat down to eat a meal. This is after they threw him in the pit. They lifted up their eyes and looked, and there was a company of Ishmaelites coming from Gilead on their camels, bearing spices and bombs and, and, and uh, myrrh on their way to, and they carried him down, to carry him down to Egypt. Okay. Here's Joseph in a pit. It looks like his life, it looks, man, it looks bad. And then who comes by? Ishmaelite traders. Well, Ishmaelite traders were sons of Ishmael. And sons of Ishmael were kin to Abraham, right? God sent family to get him out of the pit. Just hear that. God sent family. He just, you can't tell me, oh, there just happened to be somebody coming along. No, God had sent arranged family to come get Joseph to take care of him. You see, a lot of times when we get down, we're not realizing what God's doing around us. We're not realizing who God's got coming down the road for us. We're not realizing in, in, our, in there because the, the devil wants to get into our heads and he wants to, wants to convince us that God's not doing anything. But the truth of the matter is, every time you get down, I want you to know a true disciple will know that God's bringing family down the road to get us straight. He's bringing a blessing down the road to get us straight. He's bringing something down the road that's going to help us and get us straight and bless us. Amen? Look at the person beside you and say, that's really good. Again, I've lost my numbering here. I don't know if I'm on four or five. But anyway, a five. The disciple, a disciple. Here go the next one. Let me just read it to you. I'm over in chapter 39 right now. Genesis 39, verse 1. It said, Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt, and Potiphar, the officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guards, an Egyptian, brought him from, bought him from the Ishmaelites and had taken him down there. And the Lord was with Joseph, and he was a very successful man in the house of his master of Egypt. Now the master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord had made all that he did to prosper in his hand. So Joseph found favor in his sight and served him. Then he made him overseer of his house, and all that he had he had put under his authority. So it was that from time he made him an overseer of the house and all that he had. The Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake, and the blessing of the Lord was upon all that he had in his house and in the field. Thus he left all that he had in Joseph's hands, and he did not know what he had except for the bread which he ate. Now Joseph was, a hands was handsome in form and appearance, and it came to pass after these things, the master's wife cast a longing eye for Joseph, and she said, Look, come and lie with me, but he refused. This fifth thing right here is you've got to understand what a disciple has. A disciple has integrity. And because of this integrity, God prospers this way. Now look at this. What did Joseph know about taking care of an Egyptian's house? As far as I know, he was a shepherd. Whatever they did, maybe he had to keep accounts in his father's house over how many sheep they had or donkeys or whatever. I don't know. It doesn't say. The Bible doesn't say that he had any authority like that. But this kid goes in there, and the next thing you know, Potiphar's smart enough to look and say, this guy's, this guy's something's different about this guy. You see, when you become a true disciple of Christ and you let Jesus 
You want to be a learner and you want to be a growing from him and you're willing to do what he wants to do. You're listening to him talk to you. Then God's going to start. He's going to he's going to put his hand on. you. He's going to bless you. And you, people are going to look at you and say, that's something different about him. That's something not that's something different about him. And you see, God starts to do something supernatural. He's in this Egyptian's house. And the next thing you know, he's in charge. It said Potiphar didn't even all he knew was the bread he was eating. Now, is that trust? He gave him everything. said, you're in charge, Joseph. So Joseph is gone from the pit, and his brother's trying to kill him. Now he's the big dog in a big man's house, and he's totally in charge of everything. Wasn't because of his great education. Wasn't because of the great skill that he had. It was simply because God's hand was on him. Listen to me. When you choose to be a disciple of Christ and you're going to walk in the integrity that God has placed upon you, God will make a way for you, church. I don't care who you are. If that's your heart and God knows your heart, God will make a way for you. You can't go down. You can't go backwards. You're only going to go up. You're only going to be blessed in everything that you do. Everything that your hand touches will prosper. But again, it goes back to your heart. Is your heart going to stay in obedience? Is your heart going to have integrity before God so that he can prosper your way? But now there's a problem. Okay? Problem is, is Potiphar's wife. All right? She's got, you know, the hots for Joseph. And so Joseph's got himself in a little pickle, so you would think. But you know, Peter one day said to Jesus, the people that were around Jesus, he had been preaching to them and they didn't like it and they were starting to leave and he turns to them and said, hey, you guys want to leave too? And Peter says, you know, Lord, where should we go? You've got the words of eternal life. Doesn't make any difference how hard it gets to make any difference what's going on. Where am I going to go? You've got, the, you've got the answer. I know you're the answer. You see, I think a lot of Christians are still like on the fence. I don't understand it, but they're still like on the fence. Is God going to bless them or not? Does it pay to serve God or not? They're, they're kind of riding that fence saying, well, I know we need to be good people. We don't just be out, you know, killing and stealing and doing bad things. But, you know, eh, is it really? do we really need to serve him or not, you know? Do we really, how, how much do we need to serve him? I think some Christians are gauging like, what is the least I can do and still slide under the gate into heaven? You know, and that's a bad way to do because you might be wrong. Hello? I mean, I, I, I want to go through with confidence. Hello? When I'm walking up to the gate, I don't know how it's going to be. I'm just, this is my own interpretation. And St. Peter's on his kiosk going through the computer, <laughs> thinking outside the box. And he's going through and he's looking up, Robert, I, I want to be confident that there's no computer glitch and that I'm in. Right? I don't want to be sitting there and saying, oh, man, hope he knows how to spell it. Or stand up there and he calls me Richard. Richard? No, it's Robert. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Are you all with me? 
I want to serve God with all the integrity I've got because I, I know there's no other way. I know that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I want to be his disciple. And I know there's no other way. I know how I know that heaven's gonna heaven's gonna be just what heaven's supposed to be, and I know I'm going and and, and I don't want to have any concerns and I just want to walk in the integrity that God's got for me here on this earth. Right? I just want to maintain my walk. I may not look like all the other disciples. I gotta tell you this funny one. It's kind of a side note. Y'all can help me get on back on track here in just a minute. But when I was flying back uh, from Hawaii the other day, and for all those of you listening or watching, never seen, I was seeing my kids there. So seems like it's different. Seems to me like it sounds bad if you just I was in Hawaii. <laughs> I couldn't afford to stay there long if I wasn't living in the house with my daughter. And so anyway, anyway, long story back short. I was blessed, and I had a first class ticket coming home because I got a lot of miles. And so I was coming home first class. I was a little disappointed in first class, but anyway. Uh, so anyway, I went in there, had my ticket, you know, and I've preached this message a million times. I I'm, 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 don't care what I look like. Ain't nobody throwing me out of there when I got a ticket in my hand, right? Everybody else looking around may not think I need to be in first class, but bless God, if I got a ticket, eh, you ain't getting me out of that seat. And so I walk in there and I got my ticket, you know, and always keep it in my hand because I figure I always feel like somebody's going to question me. You? You know, in first class? And I said, whatever. So I go in there and I got my ticket in my hand and there's two ladies and they're wanting to sit together. And the guy that has to move in order for them to do has an aisle seat and he doesn't want to give it up. And so he I'm just happened to be over here because they're just one seat behind me. And I overhear him say, uh, no, ma'am, I won't give up my aisle seat. And so then she turned to me and asked me, because I'm in an aisle, and she said, sir, would you be willing? And I don't care. I actually wanted to sit in a window. And so I said, I said, yeah, no problem. And so I reached down, I picked up my deal, and I stood up, and I, I wasn't, I was just me, just plain old me. I was not unhappy or anything, just little old me. And I stood up, and when I, when I looked and I made eye contact with a guy, just to see who he was and, you know, he wouldn't give up his seat. And I just looked at him and he just melted. And he just looked at me and said, uh, well, do, uh, do, 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 you, do you want the aisle? I didn't say anything, you know. And I said, I just looked at him and I said, I said, that's okay. I'll, I'll take the window. And he said, uh, are you sure? And I was like, we just told that poor girl, no, now you're going to give it to me. And I didn't say anything. And I said, no, sir, that's okay. Just keep the seat. Don't make any difference to me. I'll take the window. Because I had a plan. So after a while, we get to talking, and I didn't tell him that I was, you know, uh, sheep herder or... Worked for a carpenter. When he we started talking, he said, "Yeah, well, what do you do?" And I said, "I'm a pastor." <laughs> I tried this reverse psychology thing, you know. <laughs> and he was just like, "Oh, really?" I said, "Yeah, Dr. Robert Richards. How are you doing? Nice to meet you." And then we got on with the conversation. I got to sow some seed into him. But the point was, is I was just walking in my integrity. I was just being who I am. I wasn't ugly. I wasn't meaning to look ugly or anything. I just stepped up and he's like, he just froze. 
Do you want to see? And so it let me know that God was, I'm just saying, it felt like God was with me, that God was like, there was something, he was seeing something that I wasn't seeing. That's what I'm saying. It's like he was seeing something that I wasn't seeing as I stood up. It was like, holy cow. I don't know what he thought. I don't know what went through his mind. I was going to tackle him in the seat or what was going to go on, you know. But it was he saw something that I didn't see. Because I was, man, it was early in the morning. I just wanted a cup of coffee, to be honest with you. So my point is, this is the way we're supposed to be when God's with us. And then and God, we're walking in his integrity, and his obedience. There should be the favor of God on us. And we should be walking. This is a benefit of being a sold out 100 percent disciple for God. Hello. All right. Next one. It says in Genesis 39, 21. So Joseph, you know what happens is the wife tells Potiphar was a lie and Joseph gets thrown in prison. So now he's gone from the pit to Potiphar's house where he's, you know, he's in charge. Now he's gone to prison. And it says, but the Lord was with Joseph. See, he didn't leave him. Now, here's a point I want to bring out. You wouldn't really be looking for a disciple in prison. That wouldn't where the, you know, somebody said, go out and gather up some disciples for Christ. You probably wouldn't first choose to go to the prison to look for one. But here was a great disciple and he was in prison. Hello? But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy and he gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison committed Joseph's hand, all the prisoners and all that was with him. So when he goes to Potiphar's house, Potiphar gives him everything because of what God is. And then when he goes to prison, the prisoner, the, 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 the jailer, says, this guy, give it all to him. So no matter where Joseph went, when he was in the pit, Ishmaelites were coming to get him. When he's in Potiphar's house, he's reigning. When he's in the prison, he's reigning. No matter where you go when you're a sold-out disciple for Christ, no matter where you go, no what you do, God's going to be there with you because he's not going to leave you nor forsake you, and he's going to bless you right where you are in where you are, walking through what you are. Where Christians get it wrong is they would, most Christians I know, thrown into prison would be outside weeping and wailing, saying, God, what is going on? This can't happen. I didn't do nothing. I just had this dream. And the next thing you know, <coughs> I'm in prison. It's not even a good prison. This is the bad prison. God, what have I done to forsake me like this? Hello? Am I preaching really good? Is that not what you hear from so many people? When things aren't going right, God must have forsaken you. Well, what about no matter where you are, God's with you. No matter what you're walking through, God is with you and you're blessed. So Joseph, you know the story? He just does his job. God's blessing him. Man, he's blessing him. He's in charge of the prison. He said, how can he be blessed? He's in charge of it. Well, that's the best thing he could get out of his circumstance right then. <coughs> Excuse me. You ever notice that in Philippians chapter 1, Paul writes the letter that he's writing to the church at Philippi, and he says, Paul and Timothy, bond servants of Jesus. In other words, he wrote, him, he wrote in there and, and addressed himself as a slave of Jesus, a bond servant, someone who has sold himself willingly, knowing what he was getting into, to Jesus. But you got to understand this, and this is whatever number I'm on. A disciple, listen to me, is anointed. 
A true disciple of Christ is anointed because no matter where you go, God's with you and God's doing miracles. Now, just think about this. If Joseph would have been in Potiphar's house and stayed there, wouldn't have had the, the incident go on, he would have done good, right? He would have been the servant in Potiphar's house. He was sold to him, so he's still a slave. He'd have been a slave there. He'd have been like the best slave. Uh, he'd have had the best slave job, right? But he'd have never met the cupbearer and the butler who got thrown in prison from the king's house that eventually got him into the place of ruling the whole country. What if he'd have pulled some strings? What if he'd have got out of being a, a true disciple of Christ and just became somebody that was pulling strings and trying to make himself more comfortable because surely God couldn't be in me going to prison. All I'm saying, church, is we have to come to this place in our life where we resolve to know that God's hand is upon us and that he's leading us and guiding us and he is going to prosper us wherever we go. He's going to direct us wherever we go and that no matter what's going on, no matter what's taking place, he's going to be taking care of us and that God is going to be working through us. So in chapter 41, verse 14, is where finally Pharaoh the, the, you know, if you read the story, some of you may never read the story, but let me just tell you right quick. They, two guys come into the prison who have a dream. One was a cupbearer from, from the king, and the other one was the, the baker. And uh, the cupbearer has a dream, and he says, I saw these, this, 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 that these uh, and seven birds came, and la, la, la. He's going through this whole thing. And, and then I, I saw the, the cup, uh, me giving it to the back to the king, and, and Joseph said, oh, yeah, what's going to happen, you know, in three days, this is going to happen, and it's going to come in there, and you're going to be back in the, you know, serving the king. So the, oh, Baker, he said, oh, man, guy's giving out good dreams. I think I'll, you know, tell him mine. I said, I dreamed, you know, and had these three baskets and put them up there, and these birds came and ate them and everything. Oh, he said, oh, yeah, I got your dream too. He said, in three days, going to come up here, and going to hang you out there on the gallows. The birds are going to eat you. And don't you know that guy just went, what? Well, it happened just like that, but then, you know, years pass, two years go to come to pass before the Pharaoh has a dream. He's telling to the cupbearer, said, man, I forgot about old Joseph over there in prison. Forgot about you for two years? I mean, wouldn't you have had a little bit of a bad taste in your mouth when you went into Pharaoh's court to tell the dream that you just kind of wanted to slap that cupbearer? Where to go, dude? Two years. Been two years since. Oh, two years since I've seen you. <laughs> so he goes in there. He interprets. He interprets Pharaoh's dream. And this is it. Listen to me. A true disciple of Christ has wisdom. This is pretty simple. But a true disciple of Christ has wisdom. Folks, listen to me. The Bible says wisdom is a free thing. Wisdom doesn't cost you anything. Proverbs 4 says if you cry out for wisdom, wisdom will come to you. It's free. God gives out free wisdom. <clears throat> so a true disciple of Christ wants to walk in wisdom. Well, look at God's wisdom. Joseph had to be there in order to have the guys come into prison to hear that he was there, 
that the cupbearer to go back to Pharaoh so that then Pharaoh could know that Joseph is there so that Joseph could go in there and then become the prince of all of Egypt and rule everything so that the family of Israel didn't starve to death in a drought and to fulfill Bible prophecy that they were going to be in the land of Egypt for 400 years. Because if Joseph wouldn't have, just, just think of all of this. If Joseph wouldn't have been who Joseph was and wouldn't have fulfilled that, if he just got discouraged one day and cut his wrist, well, then God would have had to come up with a whole other plan because there wouldn't have been a Moses. There wouldn't have been a law, and there wouldn't have been a Jesus. He'd had to come up with a whole other plan. But Joseph was the truest, truest disciple of Christ. Going through the hardships that he went through, he maintained the wisdom of God. All right? Now, let me just move on here. In Genesis 42, 6, a true disciple is a restorer. Listen to me. Your whole focus as a disciple of Christ should not be to tear anybody down or destroy anything, but you should be a restorer, somebody that's a repairer of the breach, somebody that's building things. Everything Joseph did, he did so that he could rescue all of his family. Now, <clears throat> if you read through the whole story, I kind of I, 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 I think that Joseph played with his brothers a little bit. You know, he, he, he filled them, he, they bought grain from them, and they, then he put the money back in there, and then he sent them home, and then they all opened up their bags, and like, <gasps> you know, Pharaoh's going to come kill us because we've stole the money. And then he gets him, you know, you got to bring the kid back, and then they bring Benjamin back, and then he puts the gold, the, the silver cup in his bag, and then they open it up, and he finds it. You know, I mean, I kind of think he was messing with them. I, I don't know that all of that needed to take place. I can't see where it really fit in but I think he was really having some fun with it. Throw me in a pit. Let me just torment y'all a little bit. I mean, I, I kind of get this picture of him on his knees praying, Father, I don't want to hurt him, and I know that you've got this whole thing planned out, and I can see what you're doing, but just, just a little fun. Just a little fun, Lord. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. When I get to heaven, we'll ask him, but I just kind of think it just seems strange. But... He was there for the principle to restore Israel, to bring them. A, a true disciple maker of Christ, listen to me. Folks, if you find inside of you, you're like, man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to destroy that person. I'm going to tear that up. I'm gonna... That's not the spirit of a disciple of Christ. A true disciple of Christ is one who wants to restore, wants to see the plan of God and the plan of God moving in their lives. Amen? Okay, so let me go over. If you jump all the way over to Genesis 46, and I'm going to be finishing up here. Genesis 46, 33, it says, So it shall be that when Pharaoh calls you and says, What is your occupation? That you should say to your servants, Our occupation has been with livestock. So his father's come, and he's come back there. But Joseph was so smart, and he had the wisdom of God. What he basically told him, was make sure that you tell the Egyptians that you guys are shepherds. That's your occupation because they detest anybody that works with animals, and so they're going to leave you alone. So you're going to come over here to the land of Goshen, which was the, the, the finest of the land. They're going to put you over there raising livestock, and nobody's going to have anything to do with you. And they were there for 400 years. Hello? Joseph's wisdom was so smart that he called basically 
a nation to restoration. The nation of Israel came in there, they moved in there, they had the best land, the best of everything. The, everything got fat, everybody got rich, everybody had kids, everybody got all the, the ones, the little nation they went in with, they grew to an enormous, huge group of people. Now listen to me, this is the end of it. A true disciple of Christ changes the course of nations. I believe with all of my heart Listen to me, I believe with all of my heart that Living Waters Church, we're going to change the course of nations. I believe it. I believe we're already changing the course of nations in Guatemala. I believe that we're already making an effect and a change of, of a course there. The Bible talks about in Revelations 22, it says that there's this, there's this scene, you kind of got to read it there and look at it, but there's a scene where the nations are presented to the Lord. And I'm believing that we're going to be standing there with nations. That's how crazy I am. You want to know how big's your pastor's dream? My dream is for nations, that we affect nations. When January comes, and I, I'm, going to, I'm going to put forth to you all a plan. It's a simple plan. It's easy. Nothing that any of you are not totally 100% capable of doing if you'll just have a heart to do it. I'm believing, though, that that plan's going to go out over the website. It's going to go out over the broadcast. I'm believing that it's going to touch homes also in foreign countries. I'm believing that it's going to reach into, into the nations there, that things are going to be changed that we may never know about till we get to heaven. But it's, it's something that there's not any of us can't do. But I just believe if we'll just commit to do it, we'll see a great, 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 great victory. I've come up with a great Great title for it. It's called The Plan. (laughs) I never was very good with titles. And so we're just going to call it The Plan. And we're going to change nations. Amen. So what I want you to do is just put your Bible up right now. And what I want you to do is take a moment now and think about this. I want you to cast out any preconceived ideas of what you may think a disciple is supposed to look like. And realize today that disciples look like y'all. Matter of fact, look around at the people sitting around you and just take a glance at them, smile at them, be nice. And realize that's what a disciple looks like. All right? That's what a disciple looks like. We're of all different ages. We're of all different sizes. We're of all different hair colors. We're all different clothes this morning. But a discipler, a disciple is simply a follower of Christ. That's all it is. A follower of Christ. Someone who walks in these points and these principles. So I want you to realize that God's got his finger on you. Because if God anointed and prospered Joseph as being a person who was a disciple, that means he's going to do the same for you, if you'll believe it. What I want you to do this morning is everybody stand up. I'm going to pray for you. But I need you to do something for me. I need you to accept this prayer. I I need you not to just say, oh, thank God, pastor's finally through preaching. I'm hungry. Let's go. Dear God, pray it out. Get out of here. 
I need you at this moment because, like I said, it just takes a moment, a second, for the Spirit of God to touch you. That's it. Once he's touched you, it's done. But some of you, I believe, have given up on dreams. I believe you've given up and you're just existing. And what I'm asking you this morning to do, see, every year I ask Jesus for a Christmas present. You say, well, that's crazy. No, I ask him for a miracle, some kind of Christmas present. I'm asking, I always ask the Lord every year, Lord, I'm asking you for this. I'm believing you for it. It's just like if, if a kid can go ride a Santa Claus, I'm telling you, this is what I want. Sometimes they're spiritual, sometimes they're physical, but I'm asking him. I want you to ask Jesus for a Christmas present. I want you to ask him to give you your dreams back, to give you your inspiration back. That what the devil has stolen from you in 2018, that he's going to restore to you in 2019. Okay? That the, the times that you used to dream and have great visions and go out there and talk to people about Jesus and whatever like that that got stolen from you, listen, you got to get it back. Do not give up. The ground you gave up in 2018 to the devil, you won't back in 2019. Hello? And if you're willing and will grab hold of it this morning, I believe with all of my heart that that'll happen. Right now, instantly. You'll get your dreams back. If you don't, you know, you just want me to, you're just hungry. Well, then that's okay, because I'll get you next time. Because I'm relentless. I never give up. I'm not going anywhere. Amen? So grab that person's hand beside you. Father, I pray right now in Jesus' name. I know it, Lord. I can feel it in here. I know what you're saying, that there's people in here that the devil has stolen their dreams. They had dreams. They had visions. That one day they were excited about you. One day they were wanting to really truly be a disciple for you. There's people out there listening to the broadcast today. They've, they were the same way. And today, Lord, I just pray right now that what the devil has stolen, that, Lord, you restore it to them right now in Jesus' name. That, Lord God, that there is a move of God that goes on in the lives and the hearts of people this year. This is the Christmas present for them, Lord God. Their dreams are restored. That, Lord, that where they've, where they've fought discouragement, they've fought battles where there's been wounds and wars, I declare, Lord God, right now that all bruises are healed, all wounds are healed. I declare, Lord, right now that every chain is broken, every yoke is broken. Wherever dream was stolen, that pot's been broken, and, Lord, that dream's loosed again to come back into their hearts. And I praise you for it, Lord. I thank you for it, Lord, right now to just put your hand upon each and every one of them. Everyone out there listening and watching, Lord, right now I just declare, and in this room here, your hand is upon them and that you are blessing them. So, Lord, we give you all the praise for it. We give you all the glory. And we thank you for it, Lord, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. Everybody say with me, say, I'm a dreamer. dreamer. Look at the person beside you and say, start dreaming. Hey, God bless you. Let me, matter of fact, let me have some prayer people come up here. There may be somebody here this morning. You need prayer. We're here for you up front to pray with you. Be blessed. And I'll catch you next week. Hello, this is Robert Richards, and you're listening to The Waterhole, our weekly broadcast, which is now available on iTunes and all major podcast platforms. You can also watch the weekly video broadcast on our YouTube channel. Link's in the description. I pray this has been a blessing to you. And if you've enjoyed this message, please share this with a friend. God bless you and remember, no matter where you are and what you've done, Jesus loves you.